You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth. Number one, it's going to be good for patients. Uh, Number two, it's going to be good for pharmacy. And number three, it's going to be good for taxpayers. The plan by itself is going to have better reimbursement uh, and no DIR fees in 2021. Uh, But if you are one of the investors, you will be getting enhanced reimbursement on top of that. That's your reward for being an investor. If you are an investor, um, we are telling MedImpact that, okay, this specific pharmacy is uh, an investor in in the health, and so they will be getting the premium reimbursement versus just the very good reimbursement that everybody else is going to be getting. And so you have to align the incentives so that the pharmacy and the patient and the doctor and everybody in the healthcare system is all pointing in the same way. You can't have your cannons pointing in the opposite direction. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I am here with Garth Reynolds. We are here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk by the Illinois Pharmacists Association. In this episode, we will talk with IPHA past president and one of the founding members of Indy Health, Todd Evers, about new opportunities in Medicare Part D, bringing out plans and choices for patients and pharmacies. Plus, we will get new updates on COVID-19, and we'll hear about conference coming up in the fall, which, remember, will go virtual for the first time ever. So pay attention, listen to the updates, and let's learn something together. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. So let's talk about COVID-19 first. Uh, It's the hot topic and has been since March, uh, probably before then, actually. We are having some issues. Our state has uh, gotten a little lax with the requirements and recommendations lately, and I think that we will be surprised at some of the numbers creeping up. Uh, We're trending the wrong direction lately, so we've got to come together and and start doing the right thing again. So, Garth, give us the update. Where are we and what, where, where are we headed? Well, uh, just a quick uh, update uh, where we are globally. We're at f- uh, 15 million cases as we're talking today. We're recording this on July 22nd. And um, the United States is just under 4 million cases at um, 3.925 cases. And I think, you know, as we're seeing in the country, the country's heating up all over the place with um, new hot zones every day. And if you look at Illinois, I mean, a lot of the states were on the coast and the southern parts, you know, the, and it kind of debunks the whole, well, it'll be a lot better when it gets warmer, you know, it, the virus will go away. Well, it didn't get the message. It went, it, it decided to go for a, a beach vacation and really heated up the, the southern parts of the states and the coasts. And we're starting to see that impact now in the middle part of the country. And Illinois, as much as people who have been critics of Governor Pritzker and the state and how we have um, addressed COVID-19, so far it's actually keeping us from having um, as a negative impact as other states have experienced. If you look at the the states surrounding us, and the governor was talking today in his press press conference. Most states around us are double, triple positivity rates, and we're, you know, that is starting to have an impact on us, but it is definitely not having as much of an impact as it would. Now, don't get me wrong. This does not mean we're out of the woods. As Ben said, you know, we're starting to have an increase, and Dr. Ezekiel was definitely addressing that today, that our case numbers are definitely going up. And the department actually issued a new dashboard to kind of help everyone to be able to see what's going on in your part of the state. And it's a region metrics. And I'm just going to use the example of Springfield for for our discussions here. And Springfield itself is now considered to be a red zone. And that's um, we've had seven days of positivity increases. And what's increasingly concerning is our number of ICU bed availability is at 37%. And the governor's office has kind of put a 20% threshold, both on med surgical bed availability and ICU beds. If we hit 20% and fall below, that may issue us to automatically fall down into another phase. And I think, you know, we're seeing this not only in the central western part of the state here, which is what region three of the um, Illinois uh, public health districts, but we're also seeing that in the metro east. And over the weekend, IPHA published 
um, pages out of a, a White House report that showed that 10 areas of the state, it particularly pointed out Clark County, which is in Region 6 of the, um, the public health regions on the eastern part of the state, and it also pointed out 10 other metro areas throughout the state and other counties that it considered to be concerning. Most of those counties of concern were in the southeast part of the state, in like Hamilton and Gallatin and those on you know closer to the Indiana border. And Kentucky border, but also metro areas of Quincy and Metro East and the Quad Cities were brought up. And it's interesting because a lot of critics keep saying this is a Chicago problem, this isn't an Illinois problem, and Chicago is not lighting up in any of these new data sources that we're seeing of areas of concern. It's areas, you know, southern part of the state or, you know, in more rural parts of the state. So this is where we need to implore everyone to please stay alert, wash your hands, and for goodness sakes, wear a mask. We have to slow the spread of this. I know we're looking at talking about moving Illinois into, you know, into phases where we can have school here in a, in a short number of weeks. But if we continue at this rate, that could endanger that. And so we really need to be vigilant and we need to be practicing um, safe practices in our business and um, I know a lot of pharmacies are doing very well at trying to um, incorporate good measures if they have um, employees that have encountered some individuals that may have had COVID. Um, but again, look at your practice. If, if you need to restrict access to your pharmacy and continue that curbside service and offering through delivery and drive-through, please continue to do so as we continue to fight this disease. And we had we had a good hang on it and we can get a good grip on it again we're starting to slip right now but let's not slip back completely yes and remember we're just a few weeks away from those little germy sponges going back into the classrooms and and hopefully not but possibly making these numbers spike a little bit more if if we're not careful so we all need to come together as community pharmacists and chain pharmacists and hospital pharmacist and academia pharmacist and whatever your route of pharmacy is these days we need to be good community leaders and set the example to make sure that people know what is right what we need to be doing to be good stewards in our community of health care so lead by example do what's best for you and your family you and your employees and peers, and you and your community. So with that, let's change gears a little bit, Garth. Uh, we've got a good COVID update. COVID has wrecked our business practice over the last few months, making changes. Um, numbers have been fluctuating all over the board, but it's, it's, it's definitely been rough. We've had to cover different things. I, I've talked to owners that are struggling with with unemployment uh, uh, dollars being spent on employees that are at home and we're having to cover different different areas of, of financial burdens during the, the COVID outbreaks. So, you know, problems are, are arising and we're having issues. We are trying our best right now to come up with ways to keep our doors open uh, especially during the pandemic time. But keeping our doors open, despite the fact that we have our biggest enemies against us in the very people who are signing our checks. So what we're talking about here, our favorite subject matter, the PBMs. PBMs are writing our checks, and they're writing them super low, okay? Every day, an independent pharmacist will tell you that they're getting reimbursements below cost. Below cost? I mean, how is that even legal? We've talked about this till we're blue in the face. But we have an answer. We have something exciting coming. We have something that we want everybody on this, on this show as, as an audience to listen to and take note. All of you owners out there, please get your pen and paper out. Let's take some notes. Pay attention because this is exciting news coming up. We have an interview with Todd Evers. 
Todd Evers is a past president of IPHA, and he is one of the founding members of Indy Health. Indy Health, you're about to learn, is a Medicare Part D plan, which is going to be offered in 2021. This is a plan that is going to be funded and founded by independent pharmacists, okay? Independent pharmacy is going to make this plan work, and this plan is going to work for independent pharmacy. So let's get behind it. Let's support it. Get your uh, learning hats on here because we're about to get a very educational interview from Todd Evers. And with that, here we go. We are here today to talk to IPHA past president and one of the founding members of Indy Health, Todd Evers. We're going to talk about a new venture in the Medicare Part D space, Indy Health, which is an independent pharmacist and pharmacy-owned Medicare Part D plan coming out in 2021. So, Todd, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Ben. Thank you very much for having me on. And thank you, Garth, for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you tonight. It's good to have you. Well, we're very excited to have you here, and we're uh, excited to learn all about Indy Health. Uh, without any extra introduction, let's just jump right in. Tell us all about Indy Health. What is Indy Health? Indy Health is going to be a Medicare Part D plan that is owned by independent pharmacists, and it will be started in five states starting in 2021. Uh, we're going to be enrolling uh, patients in October of 2020. Uh, for them to start in January of 2021. And we're going to roll out in five states. Uh, the five states are going to be Arkansas, Georgia, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and of particular interest to IPHA members, we're also going to be in Illinois. And Indy Health is going to be uh, as a three-pronged approach. Uh, Number one, it's going to be good for patients. Uh, number two, it's going to be good for pharmacy. And number three, it's going to be good for taxpayers because ultimately taxpayers are the ones that are footing the bill for this program. So we have to uh, move away from the current model where pharmacies are being beaten up in the Medicare D space and we have to provide a better solution to the problem. Uh, problems of Medicare Part D are well documented, but they're soaring prescription drug costs, uh, continually decreasing competition where the PBMs are self-directing uh, business to themselves, uh, reduced options for low-cost prescriptions, uh, which it ends up costing taxpayers billions and billions of dollars. Uh, currently, there are three uh, PBMs that control 80% of the Medicare Part D space. And when you count the top four, it's almost 90%. Um, and all of these folks, they are under intense scrutiny for lack of transparency. And they're being investigated by states and being investigated by the federal government. Uh, they have very low reimbursements that are unfair to independent pharmacies. Uh, they <clears throat> give themselves better reimbursements than they do for uh, independents and small chains and grocery stores. Uh, they have anti-competitive practices where the playing field is not level, the playing field is slanted towards themselves. And then they also uh, misuse the rebate dollars. And <clears throat> then they also are having these DIR fees which are, ends up costing billions of dollars to pharmacies, and they're causing many pharmacies to close. So, Todd, you know, as being a past IPHA president and an independent pharmacy owner, we know that you're not going to jump into a loose cannon endeavor here in, in something that's just a flash in the pan. And you talk about the, the kind of the ethics behind the current PBM practices, especially those of the big ones out there. So we know that you're going to get into something that pharmacists are going to be proud to stand behind. But how do you, how do you foresee the longevity of a plan like this 
that is so different from the status quo. You know, we, we want a plan that's going to be transparent, that we know what's going on. We're not going to be taken back by all these spread pricing paradigms. How do you change that mode um, to, to, to have a different model out there that, that becomes successful? Ben, there are, there's so much money being stolen from pharmacies and being misused. Um, your uh, people who run these PBMs and, and these health plans, they're some of the highest paid or highest compensated CEOs in the country. Uh, when Medicare open season comes around, every commercial that's on TV is uh, for a, a Medicare Part D plan. Uh, the PBMs are misusing money like crazy. I mean, Optum is making so much money that they are advertising on the, the green monster at Fenway Park. You know, the average baseball fan that goes to a baseball game at, at Fenway Park in Boston has no idea who Optum is. And by having that sign there, they don't know what Optum is. They don't even care. But there's so much money being stolen. It's the same for uh, you know, when you go to the Blues game or you go to a Cardinals game and there's Express Crips plastered all over the place and, and all this kind of stuff. There's so much money being stolen that we can use those dollars and instead of enriching uh, PBM executives, we can jam that money back into the plan, back to the pharmacy for enhanced dispensing fees and lower premiums, lower copays. So we know now from listening to you talk so passionately about this that it's going to be a success. <laughs> I just, it's got to be for us, but I, I know it will be. Um, so first step, how does a pharmacist out there who, who wants to be, have a piece of this, can they have a piece of, of this? Is there some incentive for them to do something to be a part of this plan? Yes, and currently we are in the, uh, the fundraising mode. Uh, what we are raising money for is, is cash reserves. So make sure we can pay the claims as they come in, uh, that, the, that the claims can be paid. And uh, we are in, uh, fun, in, in, the, in, in, in the fundraising mode until August 29th, okay, at which time the, the, this, this round of fundraising will be closed to investors. Uh, but we're looking for pharmacy owners to invest in the plan. Uh, the, the bonuses, you know, the plan by itself is going to have better reimbursement uh, and no DIR fees in 2021. Uh, but if you are one of the investors, you will be getting enhanced reimbursement on top of that. That's your reward for being an investor. And, uh, you know, we, we have to fix the problem and we have to start somewhere. And we can no longer depend or, or try and, and use the same old approach of we're going to depend on the uh, government to fix our problems. We have to come up with a market-based solution to our problems. And much like the, the big guys are, you know, the reason that they're so successful is that they are in control of their own destiny. And pharmacy's biggest problem right now is that we are not in control of our destiny. And quite frankly, our business model is we are submitting our claims for payment, our prescriptions to our largest competitors, and they are the sole determiners of what we're going to be paid for our goods and services. And, you know, it's kind of a silly business model the way it's evolved, but it's the way it is. And, and so we can no longer because they these folks have proven that they are not going to reimburse us correctly and they're going to continue to lower and lower and lower our margins and come up with these crazy schemes and these crazy fees and then all this you know the alphabet soup of, of trying to figure out what your reimbursement is going to be and you know we can't have that we have to be in control of our own destiny and our own reimbursements and if we can do that, we can we can take our profession back, and we can we can begin to once again uh, build up our our businesses, 
and we can start to improve them rather than uh, cut, 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 because you just can't cut your way out of a deficit. You actually have to make money on filling a prescription. And, you know, there's a lot of ancillary business models and services out there and things like that. But the fact of the matter is that in almost every pharmacy, um, the dollars are so big in the pharmacy that the ancillary businesses um, do not generate enough revenue to overcome those very large dollars that are being generated in the pharmacy. So quite frankly, a pharmacy, in order, to, in order for a pharmacy to survive, you have to make money on filling prescriptions. That's just the bottom line. And, and quite frankly, the, the big guys, they do that already. Uh, they you know, may or may not be making it at the store level, but they're making it in other ways. Well, you know, in our business, in our business models, the way we're set up, we have to make we have to make money filling prescriptions. And if we don't, we're not going to be here. You can't just keep filling, you know, loser, 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 loser all day long. Later, you're going to go out of business. And and we've seen uh, many stores close up, including some of mine, because <clears throat> the the profits just aren't there. So the plan sounds fantastic to any independent owner who has ever looked at their bottom line. If you've opened up your, your financials in the past five years, you know the trends are, are spiraling downward. We know that we are becoming destitute in filling these prescriptions and trying to find any, any dollars in, in, in reimbursement numbers. So, you know, Listening to you talk about this this plan coming and what it's going to do for, for independent pharmacy sounds almost too good to be true. So I know there's going to be some naysayers out there thinking just that. What do you have to say to those that that will say, boy, th- this this is just too good to be true. They're going to turn this thing into a, a, a million-dollar um, financial uh, boon and then sell it off to one of the big three. What what do you say to those naysayers to give them some confidence in 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 moving forward to invest? In our in our founding documents, we've done we've done several things, and the first thing we did was we we went back and said, okay, what are the mistakes that have been made in the past, and how do we overcome those mistakes so that they don't happen again? Um, you know, the, the first example, it was Community Care Rx. Community Car, Community Care Rx was um, not owned by NCPA. Uh, NCPA had an affiliation agreement with the gentleman. It was essentially just one guy, and he started this plan, you know, when there was just, you know, they wanted a discount card, and he started it as that. And then when Medicare Part D came out, um, he got in the Medicare Part D space, and, and NCPA uh, endorsed him, and the plan was wildly successful. Uh, but unfortunately, the gentleman that owned it was not a pharmacist. He was a lawyer hedge fund guy. And so at the first opportunity for him to make a profit, he sold it. And then, you know, several years later, it got sold again. And, uh, you know, so... That has now become SilverScript, which is owned by one of our largest competitors. Um, So we we have to make sure that we overcome that problem. And and the way we did that was the 11 of us that are the founding members, uh, we put several provisions into our founding documents of, of what, you know, what can happen. And so one of them one of the provisions is that we can only sell our shares to another independent pharmacist. So that quite frankly limits, you know, the value of our shares because, you know, there's not a whole lot of independent pharmacists walking around with the kind of money that, you know, a, a big PV would have. That's the first thing. Second thing we put in there was the black ball provision so that any of the 11 of us, we, you know, if we get a takeover offer, shall we say, uh, any of the 11 of us can say no and then say no. And so there's no transaction. Uh, the third thing that we put in uh, was the any of the money that flows up to the 11 founding members um, <clears throat> has to be approved by a board of 
pharmacy owners that are currently investing in the plan. So the people that are currently investing in the plan, um, they will choose amongst themselves a board, and and that board will then determine how much money you know flows up to the 11 founding members. But you know that being said, you know we are going to be in uh, five states, um, which is four regions. Medicare has 34 different regions. They are in all 50 states plus the territories. Um, so we're we're a long, long way until we start paying out any money to founders or dividends or anything like that. We've got to get this thing up and rolling um, in 50 states, and you know we're we're a long way away from it. We we have to get well capitalized. You know we have to, we have to be up and running and make sure that the the plan is is running like a fine-tuned machine before we start expanding and things like that. So um, it, it's we have to we have to crawl first and then we have to walk and then we have to run. So after Community Care RX, then there was another plan that came out and that was going to be owned by independent pharmacies and Walgreens, and that was called Smart D. <clears throat> and Smart D came out. Um, but the problem with Smart D was the fact that they cheaped out on the processor. They picked the processor called BennyCard, and BennyCard was not uh, capable and, and able to handle uh, low-income subsidy people. They weren't able to get people enrolled in time and things like that. So they got very low grades from uh, Medicare, and so that plan ended up folding and the selling out to Express Scripts. Okay, so um, we can't have that. But those mistakes of the past um, continue to haunt us a little bit because uh, there are some things we would like to do that we can't do because Medicare has put in rules uh, because of what happened in these other, in these other uh, scenarios. So for instance, uh, in order to uh, a processor, you have to have somebody who has been processing claims for at least two years. Well, that kind of limits your universe of who you can get to process your prescription claims. Um, you know, we sure as heck can't have Express Scripts or Optum or CVS Caremark or, or whatever processing our claims. We just can't come to market like that. Uh, so uh, we have we have chosen Med Impact, and so far that they they have been a very good partner to to, to begin working with, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna roll out from there. You know now uh, two years down the road, we'll see what happens. We'll see how things are going at that time when we can expand and then things can change. Uh, but you know, uh, like I said, crawl, walk, run. That's this is the way it's gonna start. So you mentioned Med Impact. Do, does a pharmacy need to do more or make sure that they're doing more than just investing with Indy Health in that making sure they have a specific contract with Med Impact to take part in this? No. Um, almost every pharmacy is, as long as they are contracted, you know, as their PSAO is contracted with Med Impact, they'll be able to process claims. Um, you know, Almost every pharmacy is, you know, a, a med impact pharmacy. You know, we haven't found too many that are not. So there's that. Now, if if you are an investor, um, we are telling med impact that, okay, this specific pharmacy is uh, an investor in, in Indie Health. And so they will be getting the premium reimbursement versus the just the very good reimbursement that everybody else is going to be getting. So, Todd, I think as you know, I'm really glad that you spoke about um, some of the issues that uh, um, independent and community pharmacy has experienced as we've tried to take a little bit more ownership in the Part D space. And I'm really glad that um, independent pharmacies have an opportunity here to be part of the solution. And I think as, you know, members... Um, member pharmacies that decide to um, take a look at Indy Health and they de and if they decide to um, invest, you know, it, the plan will help them as as long as they have patients. So 
is is Indie Health working on um, communication efforts and marketing efforts to grab patients to help bring them in? Because because I think you said um, the pharmacies that invest they'd be getting an enhanced dispensing fee, but if they didn't have any patients, is there a um, is there a, another recourse for them to benefit if for some reason they would not end up with patients in their market? Right. So the thing is, um, you know, patients will be auto assigned to Indie Health, you know, new enrollees and low income subsidy people and things like that. They will be auto enrolled in the plan. Um, you know, pharmacies, of course, cannot direct patients into a particular plan. Uh, but Indie Health will be listed on Medicare.gov. Um, it will be listed on iMedicare and Prescribed Wellness and things like that. Uh, the uh, premiums and copays and deductibles, you know, plan structure and things like that. Uh, we have submitted our information to Medicare, uh, but of course that has not been announced yet because Medicare is running slow because of the Corona. Uh, situation. Um, but um, from what I've seen, um, comparing it to what's out there currently, um, our premiums are going to be very, very, very competitive. Uh, we're going to be below the benchmark. Um, our structure for co-pays and things like that are going to be very competitive. There's going to be two plans. There's going to be uh, one plan that has the lower premium and one plan that has the higher premium, but then it has no deductible. Uh, many patients this year, especially, uh, you know, they got this double whammy of, you know, they got Christmas uh, coming out of December of 2019. They got Christmas. They got, you know, all their bills and things like that coming due. You know, their credit card bills are coming due in January. And then they turn around and they go to the pharmacy and then they've got a 300 some dollar deductible that they have to meet right away too. Uh, so our seniors this year really, really got whacked. And so I think, um, you know, if we can come to market with a plan that says, look, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more in premium, you're going to spread out your deductible over the whole year and, you know, have better co-pays and things like that. I think that that definitely resonates with, with the seniors. Um, so, you know, we will, uh, we'll see what happens, but, you know, the thing is you have to, uh, Sit down with your customers and you show them all their options, but the patients are the ones that ultimately have to choose and we cannot steer uh, business one way or another. Um, but, you know, the, the one of the first things we did, though, was we got a letter from the Department of Justice saying that, you know, by, by independent pharmacies bringing out a Medicare Part D plan, it will not be collusion um, because we're actually bringing more competition to the Medicare Part D space. And quite frankly, HHS also sees that these four PBMs control, you know, 90% of the market and they're not real happy. You know, they were very, very happy in the beginning of Medicare Part D when there was a thousand different plans out there and there was lots and lots and lots of competition. And that's really what they wanted. Um, but that competition has dwindled, and they are looking forward to having more competition in the Medicare Part D space. And Todd, I'm really glad that you addressed that because I think some members may have that as a question as they um, consider investing. And and I'm really appreciate how you've been very open about your your philosophy through ND Health in trying to be different from what we have established and what continues to systematically bend pharmacy towards a negative and, and especially when it comes to patient access. And I really hope that this can be the beginning of a of a new model. And with that I know, you know, you're saying you're you're beginning to crawl and walk, but you know, you're going to be in five states and I and I hope that um that, that continues to expand for you. Are you looking at um moving past Part D and looking at any type of commercial offerings at all? Um, you know, obviously, yeah, when you look down the road, yeah, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a ton of opportunity for this plan because uh, there is so much abuse in the, in all the different spaces, whether it be uh, commercial plans or Medicaid or, you know, you name it. 
And there is so much abuse going on right now with these PBMs that it's just, it's really sickening. And so, yeah, I mean, if you look down the road, you say, okay, yeah, we could get into this, we can get into that. Um, you know, you could be really, really excited about it. But of course, all of those kinds of things, you know, it takes money. And, you know, the, the plan has to, uh, you know, be profitable and, and all those kinds of things. So down the line, yeah, I mean, I, I can see a lot of different things, you know. And if nothing else, if we can just bring honesty to this part of the business, I think that would be a win right there, you know, rather than this uh, nonsense of um, uh, a black box and nothing's nothing's out there on the table and everything is a, is a shell game. And, uh, you know, so just, just bringing transparency and honesty to this process would be, would be a huge win for, for everybody. Uh, but I don't see that as happening. Uh, I see that as, you know, uh, we might be a lone wolf out here, but you know, that's okay. You know, if we can develop our own niche and we can serve, you know, our, our patients, you know, Hey, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, we're not here to, to get everybody. You're never going to get everybody, but you have to take care of, you have to do the best thing you can for your patients. And, and that's, no matter what part of pharmacy you're in, that is the ultimate goal is to do what's best for your patients. Well, Todd, you've definitely sold me on this. Uh, I mean, take my money. You, you, you got me hook, line, and sinker. Um, any endorsement I could possibly give, I, I think, goes straight to this. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait for this plan to come out. Um, just like you just said, the, just the ethical side alone, it makes this a winner. Um, but I hope that Indy Health has great success. I hope we have uh, plenty of, of members in the very first year join Indy Health as a patient so that pharmacies who do um, get to take part in, in this plan, both as an investor and those, unfortunately, who are late to the game and, and just fill the scripts, uh, either way, it's going to be an improvement on the status quo. So I'm very grateful that that you and the rest of the founding members have come together to bring us this opportunity. So what is our next step? Where, where do we go? Where, where would you direct me to invest in Indie Health today? Okay, so the best thing you can do is go to our website, which is www.indiehealthinc.com. That's I-N-D-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H-I-N-C.com. Uh, that is our, our landing page, our web, our website. Uh, you can read through the, you can read through the documents and things like that. You scroll all the way to the bottom, and then you request uh, a non-disclosure agreement. And <clears throat> once you sign that, then uh, you can review the documents and things like that. But of, of course, you know this is a very speculative investment. You know, a an investment of this type. You know, a startup business. Um, there's a or high uh, rate of failure in a, something like this. And, um, you know, we need investors who are accredited investors. Um, and there's a certain definition that isn't, you know, the, to meet for an accredited investor. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's where it's at right now. Um, you have to be sophisticated. You can't just, you know, throw your money away. Um, but, you know, if, if you do qualify, and you want to invest, you know, we are more than happy to have you. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, we are capping the number of investors at 499. And that is a nationwide number. And so our, uh, like I said, our closing for our, this first round of funding is August 29th. And so we want to make sure that all pharmacy owners in the state of Illinois are aware of this plan and they, they have the opportunity to review the documents and things like that. So uh, if, if they want more information, I'm going to be hosting a uh, teleconference, a Zoom call, whatever you want to call it nowadays. Um, next Thursday, the uh, July the 30th at 7 p.m. Central Time. And so if they, if the member would like to either call me 
or if they would like to send me an email, I'd be happy to send them an invitation. Uh, so my cell phone number is 618-806-7664, or they can send a email to Todd Evers, that's T-O-D-D-E-V-E-R-S, at S-B-C, that's Sam Boy Charlie, sbcglobal.net. So Todd Evers at sbcglobal.net. They can send me an email and I'll send them an invitation and I will give them the presentation. <clears throat> they will have to sign a non-disclosure agreement in order to hear the presentation. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the presentation takes about an hour. Uh, usually it's a, a half hour presentation followed by a half hour or so of questions and answers. And I will be happy to answer any any questions that come up. Um, so just uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak about Indie Health. I'm very passionate about this. Uh, this is the last best hope for independent pharmacy. Um, that's just unfortunately that's where we're at right now in our in our business. But uh, we're going to make this go. And we're gonna we're gonna succeed. We're, we don't uh, failure is not an option here. And uh, you know there's there's a lot of different moving parts to this, um, but we would, you know, we'd love to to bring everybody on board. Um, you know, the Medicare Part D um, universe is currently it's a 20 billion dollar universe, um, and the aging of the population over the next 10 years. Uh, it's probably going to be a $35 billion marketplace. Well, that means for pharmacy owners that your Medicare Part D business is essentially going to double over the, the next 10 years. And this is our opportunity. It's almost like a land grab. You have to go out and you have to grab your customers and you have to hold on to them because the, the thing is these PBMs are, are trying to steal your customers as, as much as they can. Um, you know, they're calling, they're mailing, they're emailing, they're hassling them, they're forcing them, and you have to just have to take them back. And, you know, with this plan, you're going to be able to tell your, your patient, say, look, I'm your pharmacist. I'm going to take care of all your prescription needs. The only person that's going to talk to you about your prescriptions is me, your pharmacist, your local pharmacist that you've been doing business with for 25, 30 three generations, whatever, um, that's, that's the key is, is grabbing that patient and holding on to them and keeping them satisfied. They're, then they give you good star ratings and then you can drive, you know, programs like compliance and, and things like that because you're working with the patient and you're all on the same team. You're not working against, you know, working against the patient. I mean, how silly is this system that we have where we are, beating up the pharmacies because their patients aren't taking their medication. But even if you do get them to take the medication and they take it correctly, you're still getting penalized. <laughs> it's, the, it's the stupidest thing in the world. And so you have to align the incentives so that the pharmacy and the patient and the doctor and everybody in the healthcare system is all pointing in the same way. You can't have your cannons pointing in the opposite direction because your, your success rate for your patient is going to be very minimal, you know? So, and that's, that's where independent pharmacy really comes into here is, is those relationships that, that you have with your customers and, and the ability to, um, you know, sit down with them and, and go over their medications and, and, and making sure that, you know, how can we make it so that, you know, Grandma Jones takes her medications correctly? Um, you know, how, how do we make it so that Grandma Jones is, is staying out of the hospital? How do we make it, you know, so that, you know, all these different things that the pharmacy has been talking about. I've been in pharmacy for 40 years, and we've been talking about these things for 40 years. Well, the thing is, <clears throat> you, you have to control your destiny, and you have to control what goes on in your pharmacy. And, and if, you're, if somebody else is in control of your business, then it isn't going to happen. And and that's why we have the situation that we have right now, because the, there's so much money being stolen from us that we can no longer afford to staff our pharmacies correctly. And then what, what ends up happening is 
uh, patient satisfaction goes way down. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure any of this out where the problem is. The problem is that you know pharmacies aren't being paid correctly. If you would pay the pharmacies correctly uh, and, and align the, the processing of the claims with the, the uh, caring for the patient, um, you're going to solve a lot of problems, and you really are. And so, you know, things like, you know, and this dovetails real well into uh, CPESN. Uh, this, this will dovetail real well into provider status. Um, you know, these, these kind of things, they're all out there. These ideas are out there, and they're great. But, but doggone it. If the pharmacy's not making money on filling the prescriptions, the whole thing falls down. And then that's what's going on right now. The whole thing is falling down because, uh, you know, there's no money being made in the pharmacy. And that goes for Medicare Part D, which is what this is about. But it goes for Medicaid because, you know, you've got um, big companies um, now controlling, you know, all the, the, the managed Medicaid. Well, we're finding out that they're stealing money like crazy too. You know, well, it's the same thing. It's the same problem. You've got to align the incentives. And that's the key to this plan is putting the pharmacist at the point of sale or at the point of filling the prescription, <clears throat> making sure that they are compensated correctly, at least for filling that prescription so that they can keep their doors open so that patient can keep coming to the pharmacy and the pharmacist that they trust. Well, Todd, I tell you what, that that's all all right. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, if we can keep our doors open long enough to do all of these things that are coming down the road, then we have great success at, at bettering our profession. But like you said, it all hinges on keeping our doors open. And, and these reimbursement issues that we've been talking about, that's the crux of the problem that we need to be to be looking at to fix and and hopefully Indy Health is our our first great answer to a better path. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, this has been a great interview with once again Todd Evers, uh, IPHA past president, one of the founding members of Indy Health. Todd, before we end, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I'm just looking forward to uh, making this plan a success, and I truly invite any pharmacy owner to at least investigate uh, and take a look at our website, uh, www.ndhealthinc.com, uh, and get some more information. Um, I, I sure don't want to be leaving anyone out. I think that uh, everybody can benefit, even if they're not an investor. Uh, but uh, if, if we can align these incentives, we can at least start down the path to fixing the problems of independent pharmacy and community pharmacy in general. I, I agree, Todd. And for all you independent owners out there, if you have not been looking at Indy Health, now's the time. Uh, as Todd mentioned earlier, there's going to be a virtual meeting to be held for information July 30th, 7 p.m. Central. Todd's given us his cell phone. Once again, that's 618-806-7664. And his email, Todd Evers, that's T-O-D-D-E-V-E-R-S, at sbcglobal.net. We'll have all that info in the comments on our podcast listing when we, when we do this. But, hey, now's the time. Get involved. Uh, you know, we, we always say to, to stay loud, get loud, and, and this is an opportunity to put your foot in the door and make some change for yourself and for the profession. So, uh, Todd, thank you for all the great info. We look forward to seeing where this goes and, and reaping the benefits of, of a great, transparent, and ethical Medicare Part D plan in the year 2021. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Garth. And I've enjoyed uh, spending some time with you tonight. Thank you, Todd. We, we as well, Todd. Thank you. Well, Todd sold me. I'm, I'm excited, and I cannot wait to see this uh, just take off 100 miles an hour down the road and, and watch it grow and, and be the best thing ever for pharmacy. We need something like this. Uh, we need a, a big change because we have suffered long enough with the status quo. And as we've talked so many times on this podcast show, we need a PBM change so that we can keep our doors open and keep servicing our patients. We deserve that. 
And I believe Indy Health is going to be that answer that we deserve. So please log on to the website, log on to the Zoom meeting, listen to what they have to say, and consider putting your hard-earned dollars to work for you because you will reap the benefits as long as we all back this together. So with that, let's talk about a learning experience coming up, Garth. Our normal yearly annual convention is not so normal anymore. Let's talk about convention. What do you got, Garth? Well, as we've talked about in, in our last podcast, we had um, IPHA and Missouri Pharmacy Association. We're continuing to have our meeting jointly together this year as planned. We're not going to let coronavirus push that off. And um, as our, we came together last time, we had just recently made that decision that we're fully going to go virtual. And we are, we are actively working on that. And hopefully by the time that this podcast reaches your ears, that we will be releasing our, our information for you to start registration and have um, information on the new schedule and how that's going to work. And so we'll be talking more in the coming episodes, going more in-depth about what virtual conference means for you. But I really implore you to make sure you mark that calendar date right now, September 24th through the 27th, for our Illinois and Missouri Pharmacist Annual Conference. I'm excited to what we've been able to come with. Both IPHA and MPA staffs have really put on their thinking caps to think outside the box and how we're going to continue to provide you an excellent education experience with the networking that you have during a normal conference and the fun that you have every year. And we're going to have that again in just the comfort of your own home. So we invite you to join us and we'll see you in September. Don't suffer from the fear of missing out on this one. You're going to want to be a part of something new, adventurous, different, and hopefully very exciting. So like Gar said, don't, don't forget about this. Sign up. Do what they ask you to do. They'll send you all the info. And when it comes, be the first email back to say, I want to participate in the first ever virtual annual conference. Well, I don't think we have anything else. Garth, do you have anything else? Not for this time. Okay, well, that's a wrap for now. Thanks, Garth. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to our listeners. Check back regularly to hear new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the Internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacists. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacists. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this installment of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next chapter as the Voice for Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast. 